0: You know, I feel like Elaine, uh, the flight attendant in the movie Airplane. Uh, We'd like to welcome Stanford football back home for its first home football game in front of fans in nearly two years. And we'd certainly like to thank you for listening to this episode of the TreeCast. By the way, is there anyone out there listening who can play running back? (laughs) Oh, oh, Cardinal at home, that's the great news, but... Big subplots. Stanford will be shorthanded against UCLA. We will talk about that and we will do a complete preview of Saturday's matchup between the Stanford Cardinal and the UCLA Bruins on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are staying healthy. And hope you're as fired up as I am. Here we go. Finally, Stanford football playing at home and hosting the UCLA Bruins. Stanford, if they win this one, we'll get off to a 2-0 start in Pac-12 play and take another crucial step in sweeping all the California teams. That's always a big deal. Two special guests for you on this, week's, uh, on, on this episode. Uh, Stanford outside linebacker, a junior from New Albany, Indiana, Stephen Heron, I've really enjoyed watching him over the last year plus making big plays in the backfield. Certainly did that the last time the Cardinal faced the Bruins to finish out the season in the Rose Bowl last year. And has come up with some big plays again so far this year. Love to get his thoughts on what he and the front seven have done so far this season and the task ahead against the UCLA Bruins squad that likes to run the football. And a Stanford-run defense that has left some things to be desired so far in this 2021 season. So we'll talk to Stephen Heron about that. And our second special guest on the show, you hear him on the Cardinal Sports Network from Learfield. And he's in his ninth year as the voice of Stanford football and men's basketball and my guy. Scott Reese looking forward to prying his his brain and picking his brain. I should say prying sounds a little painful, but uh, picking his brain on everything that he has seen about the Cardinals so far and uh, how this week's news could affect some of the things that we have seen that we will see on Saturday against the Bruins. Thanks for being with us. I'm Troy Clarity. Give me the follow on Twitter at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y at Troy Clarity. Don't forget. That you can subscribe to the show via your favorite listening uh, app, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, uh, TuneIn, any way you want to go, the TreeCast is there. We certainly appreciate you subscribing to the show, downloading every episode, and even better, not just listening to it, but rating and reviewing it and reacting to it as well. Always appreciate you doing those sorts of things. My 29th season of following Stanford football, my eighth season, my eighth year of Pac-12 network play-by-play is underway. Looking forward to diving more and more into that as the fall season goes along. Also on the show today, on on this week's show, I should say, um, we're going to go back into the Wayback Machine a little bit for one of my favorite Stanford football games. And of course, Keys. Keys to the Bruins versus the Cardinal, Stanford 2-1, and, and the Bruins are 2-1 as well, but getting those, those respective 2-1 records seemingly in very different fashions. Of course, we'll begin the show by telling you three things you need to know about Saturday's contest, but first, this message is... They're back, and they're better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start on start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. A new updated site and a new interface as well. Even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. That's promo code NFL100. Bet online, of course, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I bet you're ready to hear the three things you need to know about Stanford football as it heads into this matchup against UCLA. All right, let's start it off. As usual, we'll begin with number one, two. And as he usually does, David Shaw began his weekly media Zoom on Tuesday with an injury report. Uh, First, he mentioned tight end defensive end Tucker Fisk, probable for UCLA. Looks like he is actually going to be a go in the green light uh, for this week against the Bruins. Then he announced that cornerbacks Ethan Bonner and Zaron Manley were questionable, leaning towards doubtful. Manley apparently didn't finish the Vandy game while Bonner hadn't played since week one. Then... The bombshell:
1: Uh, Austin Jones will be out, Casey Philkins will be out, Uh, Noah Williams will be out, and E.J. Smith will be out. Uh, So, uh, got some holes to fill there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll say that's three of the top four running backs on the depth chart. Smith tweaked an ankle on his touchdown run late versus Vanderbilt, so so kind of expected that jones and filkins popping up those were complete and total surprises i asked shaw what the timetable is on those guys
1: uh jones and filkins in particular um, may be able to be back for oregon ej is probably going to be at least two weeks maybe three um you know like so we'll know more in about a week and a half on ej but hopefully um, Austin, in case he'll be back next week. Now,
0: that was on Tuesday late morning. After Wednesday's practice, there was this exchange between Shaw and a reporter. Was Austin's absence, was that injury-related or something? else? He'll be out this week. Okay. So in the meantime, Nathaniel Pete steps to the fore as RB1, with sophomore Caleb Robinson behind him on the depth chart. The next time Robinson steps on the field will be his Cardinal debut. And this has an effect On other facets of Stanford's offense, like pass protection, and other phases of Stanford's game, like special teams. More on that later. But let's keep it moving with number two. And UCLA is averaging over 190 yards rushing per game. That's fourth in the Pac-12. Stanford's defense is averaging over 210 rushing yards allowed per game. That's last in the Pac-12. Adjusting for yardage lost on sacks, Vanderbilt ran for 256 yards on Stanford last week. Well, this week, the card faced quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who can kill you with his legs, a physical offensive line for the Bruins, been a while since I've said that, and two bruising backs in Britton Brown and Zach Charbonnet. I asked David Shaw on Tuesday about the points of emphasis for Stanford's run defense this week.
1: You know, you gotta be gap sound. You gotta know where you fit. Um... Uh, and even more so as we go towards UCLA, that's just going to give you so many different looks and so many issues. um, It's going to present so many issues that you have to be sound. You have to know where you're supposed to go. And then you better be ready to adjust, Um, right? Because one thing that's been consistent with Chip is he's going to come out with his game plan and he's going to see where you are. Oh, you're fitting that well? Okay, great. You're taking away this? I'm going to take that, right? So it's this constant... You know, tennis match uh, with Chip, as far as um, being able to take take away something that he perceives as a strength, but then also you show a weakness when you do that, and he he'll go back and take advantage of that. So there's a consistent count cat and mouse game with them.
0: Yeah, that battle's going to tell much of the story on Saturday. And you remember last year when UCLA somehow got back into the game after Stanford got out to a big halftime lead. Well, the Bruins didn't do it through the air. They did it on the ground. They ran for 149 yards in the third quarter alone. Hopefully, for Stanford's perspective, uh, similar things are uh, not uh, uh, forthcoming for the Cardinal again in this year's meeting between Stanford and UCLA. Let's wrap this up with number three. And Stanford football is about to play its first game at Stanford Stadium in 315 days. And its first home game in front of fans in 665 days. Card stretch of seven straight road, road games is done. And once again, Stanford back within the friendly confines of the eucalyptus curtain. Cardinal cornerback Caillou Blue Kelly very exciting. A little bit. It's
2: been a while, you know, it's, it's really exciting, you know, just to come back with all the students here too, with fans, you know, our last game, Colorado, it just felt like a scrimmage against another team. You know, you lose that element of college football without the fans, without the noise and stuff like that. It just brings fun to the game again. So yeah, we're really excited for that, especially to see a locker room
0: again. Yep. It'll be good. It'll be good. And as a reminder, if you are planning on going to the game, make sure you are fully vaccinated or have tested negative for COVID-19, a very, very recent test and uh they will be checking on your way into the stadium but the fact of the matter is folks are allowed back in stanford football and that is going to be a lot of fun to see those are three things let's get right into it with our interview portion of the program beginning with our first special guest of this episode and and he's number 15 on defense for the Cardinals, he's, he's somewhat hard to miss because he seems to have a nose for the ball and a, no, a knack for making big plays at the line of scrimmage, in the backfield, and, and, and also in coverage at times as well. Really enjoyed watching Stephen Heron. On Wednesday, I caught up with Stephen Heron after the Cardinal wrapped up practice for the evening. Here is our conversation. Well, let's start with the week overall. A home game, number one. Classes started this week on campus as well. How has this week been for you with things looking perhaps more normal, quote unquote, than they have in quite a while?
3: Um, Again, like you said, this is, you know, quote unquote, a normal week for us again, getting back to school work, which at Stanford University, that's not not easy at all. But with that being said, the team's done a really good job of coming together this week, uh, making sure we're doing a good job of managing our time, uh, managing it with school you know making sure that we have the right class load and kind of just adjusting all of that but along with getting a good amount of film in and coming together asking questions as groups um, and making sure, making sure we're going over things we don't understand and really just trying to be ready for this game this week
0: yeah it should be a good one between uh, stanford and ucla i'll get your further thoughts on that here in a moment or so uh, but first let's put the wraps on vanderbilt uh, a win that stanford needed maybe not quite 100 percent as clean as it would have preferred but still you go on the road again, and you get on the win. What sort of things did it take to get it done against Vandy last week?
3: Um, I think I think second half we really came out and kind of showed who we were as a defense. Other than that last drive, um, we really need to clean up our, our late game drives. You know whether we're winning or losing, we need to have those and finish stronger. So people understand that we, you know we're not to be um, you know toyed around with as a team. You know we're a great team and have a lot of athletes, and we can play some really good teams and perform well against them. But with that being said, last week we didn't start well at all. Um, you know Vandy has a great, great O-line in the SEC. However, that's not one of the best O-lines we're going to see this year. With that being said, Um, we need to come out a lot stronger. We need to set up a new line of scrimmage with our D-linemen, set better edges with the outside backers, and really make sure we're filling gaps between our secondary and Ilbs there.
0: How are you feeling about some of the things you individually have been able to do so far on the field this year?
3: Um, you know, I felt good, but again, just trying to learn in our room. You know, we have a very good room right now. You know, we've got some guys that I've been rotating with, Gabe Reed, Jordan Fox. Um, you know, they're both older than me. They have a lot more experience. You know, I'm, I'm kind of just rolling through with them, making sure we can all, you know, just kind of take everything on as a group. You know, we kind of knew going into the season it was going to be a good three-way, three-way rotation. And with that being said, just trying to work off of them for some of the experience and um, – I felt really good about how I played, but again, just trying to learn, trying to keep the mistakes out of the way. Lately, I've made some, you know, just some, some dumb mistakes, really just trying to clean that up for our game so we can be the best team we can be.
0: Take me through a game through your perspective. Generally, what are some of the things that you're looking for during the course of a game, some of your assignments that tend, to, that tend to be thrown your way during the course of a game, and some things that, that you're trying to achieve out there?
3: Um... So at the old position, you know, we really want to say great, great edges and make sure, you know, we're taking on blocks the right way. Um, so with us, you know, a big a big way that's going to be is with the plunge block. Or you know pulling guards or you know pulling backside tackles, really I making sure when you fit those on right. So it kind of just depends on our coverage. You know what we're doing in the back end. Um, sometimes I'm going to splatter that and fit inside. Some of that I'm going to set an edge and fit outside. Really making sure I'm getting hands on whoever I am fitting off of. Making sure I'm setting a new line of scrimmage up for um, my ILBs and secondary coming in to make the play behind me. Um, realizing that um, this defense plays off each other. It's very good at doing that. You know not every. Um, there's not one position who's going to play out and make every single play on this defense. As you see, you know, we've got a, a different leading tackler every single game, um, and it kind of just depends on you know the offense. Nothing, nothing about defense and who's playing well or anything like that.
0: Yeah, and the secondary, I think, has, has stolen the show for the most part, certainly the first three weeks of the regular season. How much uh, How much has their play been able to help you guys in the front seven?
3: Their play has been phenomenal. You know, we've got, I believe, somewhere around four picks or so. Kawhi Blue Kelly has two. Um, Jimmy got two last game, only kind of the one. (laughs) With that being said, though, we've done phenomenal in the back end. Zarn Manley before this last week, you know, kind of going down a little bit. He'll be back real soon. But um, he's been playing some really good ball. And I think our back end, even with some injuries and some COVID issues, you know, we've really battled back. Young guys have stepped up. Jimmy Wyrick has played some great ball. Um, Our secondary has really set up our front seven. I think our front seven is now, you know, now we're able to – um, work off of that with the secondary; they can work off of us. So we're getting good pass rush when we do finally get there, and our secondary is able to have good coverage. And you know we're able to get to there, you know, on guys like um, guys like Seal last week, or you know, week one with K-State. This week, hopefully, we can get to him the same way as we did last year, and, and get to this athletic quarterback. He's the best quarterback we'll probably see all year.
0: Yeah, more on that in a moment. A couple last questions for Stephen here, and he joins us here on the TreeCast. From New Albany, Indiana, which, if I remember correctly, is on the opposite side of the river from Louisville, Kentucky. Indeed. How take take me through your road from New Albany, Indiana, to the farm?
3: Um, so I grew up grew up in New Albany, Indiana, all my life. I actually attended New Albany High School, which is. Five minutes from my house and they um, got a new coach my freshman year. Um, going into sophomore year, my parents got a divorce and I just figured, um, you know, I talked to my parents and I would take a better, I would just kind of take advantage of the situation, see if I can put myself in the best, um, best position for um, really just life after high school where I wanted to go for football. And um, you know, at a, at a school like New Albany, they're just a smaller school, more of a county school. It's, it's tough to get out of there. Um, so with that being said, went across the bridge, ended up going to a, a private Catholic school, Trinity Catholic, over in Louisville, Kentucky, played some great ball, played a national schedule there, had a great group of coaches who knew how to coach me, knew what I needed as a player. I was, I was a good player, but they knew what I needed as far as how to coach me and how to guide me to the next level. Um, but after that, you know, I committed, to, I committed to Michigan going into my junior year, actually, and um, with that being said, I remember calling Coach Anderson and letting him know and. He was very respectful about it, he understood, um, and he kind of, he kind of just, you know, kind of just sat back. He, he never gave me um, distance, though, you know, he really stayed on me. He continued to come visit me at the school, continued to, you know, send me emails and text every week about, you know, my game or, you know, about some things they were doing in their room and um, how he would love to see me in that. So, um, you know, as time went on, sometimes you realize, you know, you're a young guy, you make, you make decisions quickly. Sometimes you want to reconsider your thoughts. Um, so after I kind of got a, a weird feeling about maybe Madison possibly leaving, he did end up leaving later actually going to Ohio State. So I guess that was a good intuition. Um, but I kind of got a rough feeling, and I never lost contact with Anderson. So I called him. I said, Coach, you know, I, I want to come back out for a visit and consider more. And he was he was stoked to have me back out. So coming back out, and um, after that we had a conversation with Coach Shaw, put in, the, put in the early enrolled, you know, my transcript, put in everything in, all my classes and, and the whole um, – Packet they give us to you know try to get admitted early, and with that being said, once that decision came in, I didn't think I could pass that up. This is a once-in-a-lifetime decision, and um, no regrets thus far. Yeah,
0: and the rest is history. And you've provided some fantastic moments throughout the course of your career uh, to this point. Perhaps none bigger, in some senses, than the game last year against UCLA down in the Rose Bowl. Some big plays along the way, and of course uh, the game sealer at the very end of it. I was exhausted just watching that game on my couch. What was it like playing in that game against the Bruins last year?
3: Um, They're a great team. They didn't really lose much, as you can see from this year, if you look at the roster. So, I mean, it's gonna, hopefully it's an, it's another showstopper like that. I mean, I hope we can get in there and we can seal off a victory pretty early, just like we've been doing thus far. But that's tough to say when you have a team that athletic. You know, we came out very strong against them last year, and I think we had a 20-point a you know deficit at some point, and then – All of a sudden, they came back very quickly. They've got a lot of athletes, and we need to keep eyes on all of them. But um, last year, I played a good game again, working on some of my mistakes again. You know, I'm working on um, just coming in and and not letting my lack of experience here um, put me in bad places, really just trying to focus on where I need to fit in each of our schemes, where I need to fit, watching extra film on these tackles, running backs especially. These are are strong runners. Um, They put up. 200-plus yards against us last year. So, I mean, with that being said, we need to stop the run this year. They're two great running backs they have back there. Um, a good DTR does not have to be explained. You know, he's as advertised. Um, great athlete. I love playing against him. Um, I love his game. Last year, he's probably the most fun quarterback I played against last year, to be honest. You know, he kind of chips at you a lot, but I love to chip back. And it's respectful. You know, everybody on the on the side is is great. You know, it's a, it's a good environment. It's a great football environment. So, with that being said, just trying to make sure um, – that as a group, we're continuing to play our best ball, uh, me individually, just trying to you know stick within my scheme. And when I can make a play, go make a play. But in, until that moment, sit there and play my 111th for my group. All right, as we wrap this up, how far can this team
0: go? We've seen how things look when maybe things don't go so well. We've seen how things look when things are going very well. How, how far can this team go?
3: Um, I think this team's got a lot of promise. This is, this is the most confident I've felt in the group that we've since I've been here at my time here. Um, with that being said, I think we need to, we need to stay locked down within our group. We need to stay together and keep our keep our eyes and our focus on us as a group. Don't let the outside, um, you know, you know, you guys are two and one. You have two great games, and K-State was just a rough start, or this, that, and the other, or if you know, if we do win this league, lose this week, you know, whatever it comes down to, stay focused on us. Um, but I think. I really do believe we can get to that Pac-12 championship, and I don't think you'd see all these guys out here working day in and day out if we couldn't. Um, I think we need to compete. We've got a tough three-game stretch coming on. As we talked about, it was a group with our team. Um, on Monday, we had a team meeting. We talked about how we can split this, this season up into quarters. In this second quarter, this next three games, um, UCLA, Oregon, and ASU, some of the top teams all in the pack. So with that being said, we need to come together. We need to play strong as, as a group and as a defense, really packed the defense here. And our offense has been perform, performing well. So I think um, as long as you know we stay on our P's and Q's this year, I think we can go far. Should be fun. Next should step. Should be very fun.
0: Next step against the UCLA Bruins. Yes, Stephen, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Love watching you play. Keep it going. Stay healthy. And we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Really appreciate Stephen Heron's time. Really enjoyed the chat. And he's right. Yeah, it's a big three weeks ahead. We, we've hinted at this or on, on a previous Editions of the tree cast. You know, the first three road games of the season back to back to back, that's pretty tough, but but the second three UCLA this week, Oregon next week, at Arizona State on a short week the following week after that. That's pretty tough. And Stanford hoping to get off the, on the right foot against the Bruins and no question that front 7 will have a lot on its plate and a lot to clean up against the Bruins. Now, it's ironic that Stanford's hosting UCLA on September 25th, 2021, because Stanford hosted UCLA on September 25th, 1999, and that just happens to be one of my favorite Stanford games of all time. You might remember it. Stanford was 2-1. and one. They were coming off a tremendous win at Tucson the week before over an Arizona squad that, that many had picked to win the Pac-10 that year. And Stanford hung half a hundred on him. That was a fun flight to the, back to the Bay Area. But Stanford, uh, UCLA on September 25th, 1999. And the Cardinal actually lost quarterback Todd Huzak to bruised ribs. Early in the second quarter, hit Ronnie Pitts, uh, I believe, on a deep ball. And Pitts fumbled inside UCLA territory. And the Bruins recovered it. So that was tough. But even tougher than that was losing Huzak on that very play. Enter Joe Borchert who up until that point had largely been used as a situational quarterback. Well, Borchard taking his first extended snaps of his Cardinal career, his first snap and his first throw was to Troy Walters. That was always a smart idea for a 50 yard juggling falling catch. That's still maybe the best catch I've ever seen for Stanford. I actually had Troy Walters on, on the tree cast uh, in May of last year. Great chat. Go back and and search it out and and, and listen to it. His favorite Stanford catch was a different one he had against UCLA. You'll hear that uh, when you go back and search uh, for that conversation. Anyway, Borchard to Walters for 50 yards on on Joe's first throw. Joe's next throw was to Walters again, this time for a 30-yard touchdown. Just like that, two plays in, Joe Borchard had the Cardinal on the board. Then early in the third quarter with Stanford backed up at its own two, Borchard play faked. Hit Troy Walters deep, and Walters took it the rest of the way for a 98-yard touchdown. Stanford up 28-3 and took a 35-17 lead before the Bruins closed it to 35-32. But then Borchard picked up 56 yards on a, on a critical scramble and then hit Durani Pitts for the insurance touchdown in the fourth quarter, and Stanford won 42-32. Uh, Joe Borchards stat line for the day in the passing department, 15 of 19 for 324 yards and five touchdowns still. And that even doesn't count as 56 yard scramble, as we mentioned. But that is still one of the best quarterbacking exhibitions I've seen a a Cardinal quarterback put forth in my 28 plus years of following Stanford football now. Oh, by the way, Troy Walters that day, nine catches, 278 yards and three touchdowns. (laughs) Catches 278 yards and three scores. Man, Stanford wide receivers have had big days and uh, eye popping catches against UCLA over the years, by the way. Uh, Stanford gained two, 672 yards on offense against the Bruins. Even the punter, Sean Topinrou, dropped the snap, picked it up, and scooted for a big first down in the second half. What a game! What a game. Still one of my favorites. And what a season. That was. It ended up in the Rose Bowl. So I, I find it amazing that Stanford is playing UCLA in 2021 on the exact 22nd anniversary of one of my favorite Stanford football games of all time, when the Cardinal beat the Bruins on that day and that incredible game. Bruins, of course, are coming off a pretty memorable game themselves, a battle against Fresno State that went back and forth, especially in the fourth quarter with with, with so many momentum swings. But at the end of, of it all, it was the Bulldogs coming back and beating the Bruins in the final minute. Jake Hayner entering his name in Fresno State lore by leading the Bulldogs. To that final touchdown, basically on one hip. Caught up with Tanner McKee earlier this week, and I had to get his thoughts on what he was watching, uh, and what he specifically saw from Jake Hainer against Fresno State. Look, quarterbacks are a fraternity, right? Quarterbacks know each other, quarterbacks, you know, hang out and all those sorts of things. As a member of the quarterback fraternity himself, I had to ask Tanner. You know, what his thoughts were on Jake Hayden's performance.
2: We were actually watching that game when we were on the plane um, going back home after the Vanderbilt game. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. He he was a baller. I, at the time, I didn't really know exactly what what injury he had. Um, but obviously, you could see him kind of limping off to the side or kind of leaning over a little bit. So um, props to him. And, and obviously, he's, he's a great quarterback. He's a fighter. He's gritty. Um, and so we're going to need all of that to beat UCLA on Saturday.
0: Yeah, that was nuts. That was nuts. Just just absolutely surreal stuff. But uh, UCLA, I'm not sure where they're going to be mental, me- uh, mentally after, after a result like that. And, of course, don't forget, this is also their first time on the road. They played their first three games all at home, Hawaii in the opener, UCLA, of course, but then had that week off. And then that, that result to Fresno State that, look, even though the Bulldogs won that in the final minute, you know, I was talking with someone I, 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 I trust a lot and who was at that game uh, down in the Rose Bowl last week. And, and that person said, man, you know, it's, it wasn't even close. Fresno State, whether they had won that game or not, they were the better team than UCLA. They were more physical than the Bruins. And they had the better quarterback. I didn't expect to hear either of those things. And I saw, you know, much of the second half as it unfolded that game. But wow, that was, that was incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Will Stanford UCLA be as dramatic? Uh, I, I, I hope not. At least as long as it's in favor of Stanford. Well, Stanford wins. I don't really care how dramatic it is, But is. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll bring in Scott Reese here in a moment or so. But first, I got to bring you this exciting news as the Believe Podcast Network has partnered with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpools.com. Then get your picks in each week. They'll select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. And whomever gets the most picks correct each week. Each week, we'll win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, football, Pick 'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contests, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, pick em, as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Looking forward to Saturday's game against the UCLA Bruins for many different reasons. Not only is it going to be Stanford's home opener in the first game with fans and almost two complete calendar years, but it's also going to be cool to be spending my Saturday afternoon where I should be in the Stanford radio booth with John Platts on my right and our special guest for the TreeCast on my left. You know him. You love him. He's in the, his ninth season as the voice of Stanford football and men's basketball. It's right there in his Twitter handle at Stanford Voice. My man, Scott Reese. Scott, thanks a bunch. always appreciate the time. How are you doing today?
4: Uh, I'm good. You know, it's just that that midweek lull before we get back into it and see what the next chapter brings.
0: Yes, yes. Off we go. Chapter four against the UCLA Bruins. First off, do you, do you remember where the, the home radio booth is? Are, are you going to be okay? Do you, uh, do you need the red coats to help you out too yeah
4: you know i, I think you, you take the elevator and then just follow your nose I think okay all right the, the, the short of it uh it, it has been a while although we were up there uh several times uh right. during the covid uh madness before we started doing games from our living room uh we did several games from the booth up there so i, I was there a few times last year but not the reasons you want to be
0: But good to be back for for the reasons uh, that you want to be in that room. Um, Three games in, uh, disappointing and lackluster loss to Kansas State. Um, A surprising win in many circles against USC. And a win that maybe wasn't quite as clean as you might have hoped in the second half, but still a a pretty convincing and fairly comfortable win against Vanderbilt on the road anyway last week. Uh, Three games in. What do you think we know about this team right now?
4: You know, I, I think it was really nice to get the third data point uh, because it was really uh, tough to reconcile what we saw in week one with what we saw in week two, because the, 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 everything was just so completely, you know, ends of the spectrum and you figured the reality was probably somewhere in the middle. Um, so it was nice to see them come out take care of business on the road against Bandy And, and, you know, this, Look, it's it's not like you you didn't go into Alabama or Auburn, but you still went into an SEC stadium far from home and and did what you had to do. You know they played well offensively, other than that lull in the third quarter. Um, they got a bunch of guys involved, which was great. Some of those guys won't be involved this weekend, which is not great. Um, but you know, I think overall it was uh, it was another step in the process, and it reinforced some of the things that we saw in the USC game. That sort of I don't want to say left our our, our jaws dropped, but, you know, I think we were were a little surprised at some of the, uh, some of the things, positive things that we saw against USC and to see them reinforced against Vandy, I think was certainly uh, helpful. It was nice to see.
0: Yeah. And and maybe one of those things, and it it certainly seems to me that this has become a bit more fully formed. We saw some parts of it against USC and then a little bit more against Vanderbilt, a bit more of an aggressive approach, it seems for the Stanford offense. I mean, you know, you you know the narrative. Stanford is super conservative. They punt from inside plus territory all the time. David Shaw is going to take points when he can. Lo and behold, he's taking points off the board against USC, going for and getting touchdowns. And he gets Vanderbilt going for it on two fourth down conversion attempts in plus territory against the Commodores. One worked, the other one not so much, but still. A, a, a more aggressive approach, it seems, uh, uh, to this year. Are, are you seeing that the same way? And if so, what does that tell you about what Shaw thinks about what this offense can do?
4: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I certainly think it's a positive development. I think that, you know, it's great to show confidence in your guys. And clearly he has that, you know, in Tanner McKee and in the, uh, you know, the, the supporting cast. Um, you know, I think that we need to be careful. Uh, a, a, about deciding that, well, you know, a, a Leopard has changed his stripes and all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's you know, David Shaw has turned into a riverboat Ron, right? I, I think that, you know, a lot of this is, it's situational as it should be, right? I mean, you shouldn't just decide I am always aggressive or I am always conservative, you know, you need to, to read and react. And I think, you know, every situation is different. What we are seeing and what he flat out corroborated at his news conference this week is that inside the five, he's going to be aggressive, you know, and, and you know, we'll see how that plays out. It's going to make for some interesting uh, play calls and interesting decisions, I think, down there near the goal line. Uh, what we don't know is, you know, if Stanford has fourth and seven from the 38-yard line, if that will change, right? Because his philosophy has always been punt the ball away, try and pin him deep. And I don't know that this, this aggressiveness inside the five is necessarily going to carry over to that at other parts of the field. So obviously, we'll wait and see. Um, but I do like the philosophy, and I love the fact that, you know, uh, Coach Shaw has demonstrated the you know a willingness to you know uh, to to ch- ch- change his thinking on certain things uh, to adapt to personnel right because good coaches adapt to to the guys that they have on the field and I think he's done a nice job this year of really doing that.
0: It, it also helps I think when you have a, a guy in Tanner McKee who yeah you know I'm not ready to place him among the all-time Stanford greats just yet. we got a long way to go, but certainly, you know, what we've seen particularly over the last two games from him, certainly have him pointing in the right direction. You've seen all of Tanner snaps live and in person this year. What impresses you about the young man? What are some things you'd like to see him improve on going forward?
4: Well, you know, the the poise uh, for me is first and foremost. You know, he, he does not look like a kid, you know, with a, a couple of Collegiate Collegiate Snaps under his belt, uh, you know, and, and I don't know how much the Oregon experience last year played into that being thrown into the fire in, you know, as hostile a territory as, as you're going to find, at least during COVID. I understand there were no fans, but still at Oregon, uh, you know, a tough road game. And, you know, I thought he acquitted himself well. And I think just having that and then the ensuing, you know, uh, games last season where he was able to, you know, have a front row seat and watch Davis Mills do his thing. Uh, and get comfortable from afar, I think, I think that helped and that gave him, you know, a running start heading into the, uh, into the spring and, and and ultimately the fall. So, uh, the poise first and foremost for me, clearly he can make all the throws. Um, he seems to have really good instincts. Uh, he's, he knows when to tuck and run. Uh, he's been smart throwing the ball away. He's just, I mean, he hasn't made mistakes and that's very rare for a kid with this little, big time college football experience now he will at some point make mistakes uh but I, from what i've seen so far i couldn't be more impressed and you know we all were enamored with the upside right when he's when he came to stanford you know and, and even before he went on the mission and there's nothing that i've seen that diminishes that upside i think he's the real deal
0: Secondary, I think, has been really stealing the show, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks or so, uh, with uh, Kyrie Blue Kelly with a couple of, of eye-popping interceptions and also had a near pick uh, against Vanderbilt as well. Uh, Jimmy Wyrick. Holy cow. I didn't even know who this young man was until about an hour and a half before kick uh, against USU. You walked back into the booth and said, Jimmy Wyrick might be seeing a lot of playing time. And I was like, who? And here we are. This Stanford secondary seems to have really uh, done a lot of fantastic work so far this year. In fact, if I had to pick a position unit that's impressed me the most so far for Stanford this season, I'd go with those guys.
4: Yeah, and, and it's crazy because that was a question mark coming into the season, yep. right? And mm-hmm. then you lose McGill, and you lose Turner Muhammad, and now you, you know, lose potentially zaron Manley for this week, although we're not sure, and, you know, still, I mean, you know, next man up mentality is nice in theory, um, but man, they're... they're <laughs> they're embracing it and and it's working, you know? And uh, Jimmy Weirich is a kid who, you know, I talked about the poise of, of Tanner McKee, and I would say the same thing about Weirich. He just seems to have, you know, the instincts, he's not phased, he seems to, to know what to do and, and when to do it and how to do it. And, you know, these are things that sometimes take, you know, months or years to cultivate. He stepped right into it and become a reliable guy. And so we'll see if, you know, somebody else uh, can follow suit this week. If if Manley, in fact, can't go, we're going to need to go deeper into the depth chart. Noah Williams as well. So, yeah. um, you know, that secondary is going to be tested. And, you know, look, it's one thing to do it against Vandy. It's another thing to to try and, you know, slow down, you know, DTR and then and Oregon coming up and Arizona State coming up and, and the landmines that are ahead on the schedule. Clearly, it doesn't get any easier at this point.
0: Uh, There's one thing to be said for next man up but in some cases you reach any man up and it's reached that point unfortunately for Stanford this week with their running back room as deep as any unit I thought coming into the season for the Cardinal and David Shaw said during his press conference this week earlier he was like hey there's still a lot of depth in that running back room and my initial thought was like yeah, but that depth is going to be in street clothes for the most part on Saturday. So no Austin Jones, no Casey Filkins, no EJ Smith. It looks like it's going to be Nathaniel Pete's show for the most part. In your mind, how does that potentially change some things that we might possibly see uh, from Stanford? Because this doesn't affect just the running game it affects pass protection it affects special teams. there are a lot of dominoes that could potentially fall as a result of this.
4: Yeah, I think that this changes uh, a lot uh, and it's unfortunate because you you kind of got the feeling that the running game was getting untracked a little bit last week. Um, obviously love what Casey and EJ did in that game last week. and uh, here we are you know as you said it's the Nathaniel Pete show um, and obviously Pete has been tremendous in limited carries but he's not a guy who's going to go from eight carries a game to 30 carries on Saturday. It's just not logical or feasible. Um, So that means you got to get creative, right? And does creative mean you go deeper into the depth chart and play guys who might not have seen meaningful snaps all year, right? In a critical game against UCLA. I mean, Caleb Robinson, a sophomore is listed as number two on the depth chart. You know, does he come in and, and, you know, see five carries, you know, do we get a look at Brendan Barrow who a lot of people are excited about as as a true freshman, Um, Do we see single setback formations with Houston Hanuli or Jay Simmons, right? I mean, you know, we saw Simmons make plays uh, as a receiver in the game on uh, Saturday at Vanderbilt. So, you know, there are options. They're just not the options you would have expected. And I obviously can't speak intelligently about, you know, what Caleb Robinson or or Barrow can bring to the table, you know, in a Pac-12 game on Saturday. I'm not sure the coaches know, but, you know, they may have to find out.
0: Uh, then again, Pete does have 12 yards per carry on average this year. So hey, it's just he can, simple math. Can keep, just keep that up. up, we're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just keep giving him the rock. <laughs> it's simple math. Um, as we wrap this up here, uh, much anticipated game, highly anticipated game, and, and and one that could really set the table for both of these respective teams going forward. UCLA trying to get off the mat after that surreal loss to fresno state my word i I know the guys were watching that game uh, on the flight back uh, from nashville i was on my couch just shocked with the whole thing and stanford looking to get its second uh quarter of the season started off on the right foot uh your key for this ucla game the one thing you're going to be watching more often than any more more uh more intently than anything else and maybe your overall key to the season going forward
4: yeah. Stop the run. I mean, that, that, that's for me. And again, you know, that's an instinctive answer, um, which I would have given you two days ago. Now we got a lot of things to look at that we didn't expect, right? Can Stanford run the ball, right? Can Stanford, you know, handle the pass with the depleted secondary. So all of a sudden, you know, with the, the, uh, the injuries and and the guys who won't be available, it I think changes the assessment, but first and foremost, I think for the next three weeks, they've got to show up Ability to stop the run because these are some big time rushing attacks obviously UCLA has has the dudes and they've got a quarterback who will you know kill you with his legs so Stanford needs to really be sound and 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 smart and they've got to make I think more impactful plays against the run uh, closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, we're seeing a lot of tackles six and seven yards down the field and, and that's not going to play against UCLA and Oregon and, and ASU. So for me, that's the first thing as for overall feel, my, my dog is very upset by the way. with Hey,
0: uh, we're not playing the Huskies this week.
4: Those are not sound drops. It's not the Troy clarity, sound drop. That's actually a dog. Um, as far as uh, the season as a whole um, critical game for both teams, obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. Stanford has a chance to go two and zero in the conference, you know, especially with the home heavy schedule still to come and the back half of the schedule is obviously more forgiving than the front half. So, you know, it's a massive opportunity. It's going to be an uphill battle. It would have been anyway, even at full strength. And now even more so with uh, you know, the depleted roster, but you know, we've seen stanford rise to the occasion Um, and you think about the ucla game last year when stanford was decimated by injury and playing its fourth consecutive road game and all the everything it had going against it a year ago and they still found a way so uh, i think it's gonna be a lot of fun i think that they will be able to glean a ton of energy from the home crowd the students will be there and i'm looking forward to hearing that roar in, in stanford stadium
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Can't wait. And uh, I'm looking forward to and hoping for a similar outcome against UCLA that we saw last year. Maybe not quite as dramatic, (laughs) maybe not quite as a cardiac uh, kind of uh, a flow to that game. Uh, I I could certainly take a walk it out of Stanford Stadium on Saturday afternoon uh, with a a nice convincing win for the Cardinal. How it all shake out? Well, one way to find out. Tune to the Cardinal Sports Network from Learfield with John Platts. And my man, Scott Reese, they got you covered, as always, on the play-by-play call on the radio side. Scott, can't wait. Thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time, and I'll see you Saturday.
3: Yes,
4: indeed. See you there.
0: Good stuff, as always, from Scott Reese. I always appreciate his time, and I'm looking forward to being on his right in the Stanford Home Radio booth for the first time in in, in darn near two years. And and I'm glad that he noted the difference between going forward on fourth and goal at the 2 or fourth and one at the 40 and going for it on fourth and six from the thirty-seven. Those are those are different situations, and just because David Shaw might be a bit more aggressive in one situation, doesn't necessarily mean that he might be as aggressive in the other. So I'm glad that he uh, made that distinction and pointed that out. But uh, always appreciative of Scott Reese and his time. Let's get to keys to this game, shall we? And yeah, I I thought that the ground game would be the major point for both teams this week. And it still might be, but just in a completely different way than I certainly envisioned at the start of the week, or at least before David Shaw dropped his injury bombshell news um, or his health bombshell news uh, during his weekly uh, media Zoom on Tuesday. I figured coming into this week that Stanford would throw to get the lead and run the ball to kill the clock. Which, by the way, is kind of how Shaw would prefer to normally do things, usually. But with Stanford down to just one of its four horsemen in the backfield, things change a bit. Still, David Shaw is keeping the faith, especially when it comes to Nathaniel Pete.
1: Nate Pete's also shown everybody what he has. And he's got some juice. He's got explosion. Um, So obviously, he's going to carry a a larger load. Um, But we have other options, too. Um, so we're not going to, you know, play Nate every single play. Um, we're going to we're going to have a chance to give him a rest here and there. We have multiple guys we feel like we can go back there and be uh, more than just efficient with. Um, we think we have some guys that can really play. So. Um, it'll be a, a challenge, but at the same time, opportunity for those guys to step in and make some plays. That's
0: David Shaw, who has confidence in Nathaniel Pete and whomever else plays running back for Stanford on Saturday. Now, of course, the cynical part of me thinks, well, what else is he supposed to say? Oh my God, my running back room is decimated. We've only, we're only down to one guy who's carried the rock at all on the collegiate level, and other guys who haven't done anything. And oh my God, no, 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 he's not going to say that. I don't even think he thinks that way either. But there's no doubt. There, this affects so many facets of the Stanford offense. Uh, E.J. Smith, for example. He had been lining up at other points on the field, in the backfield, in the slot, out wide, being super versatile and helping give the Stanford offense different looks. That's largely out the window now. I mean, Casey Filkins can probably do those things too, but... He's on the shelf for this week. And EJ Smith, of course, is is not available potentially for two to three weeks or so, likely with that ankle. We know that Pete has burst to the outside and is great on misdirection. But how about pile moving runs up the middle? Now, to be fair, can the offensive line move a pile? I haven't seen that quite as often as I would have liked to by this point of the season. Maybe that changes this week. I, I I hope so. It's a great thing that Pete is superb in pass protection. He's stoned a couple of guys already this year. Otherwise, that would be a major question mark too. And oh, by the way, special teams is affected as well, right? Pete normally takes kicks. That won't happen this week with the new load that that he is likely going to have to assume on Saturday. So, and also don't forget, Casey Philkins can't take punts this week either. So Bryce Farrell will handle both. There are so many different facets and so many different things that these issues, these availability issues, uh, for, for the Stanford running back room, have an effect on everything else with the Stanford offense, and even stretching into the special teams, too. Now, in the meantime. This places more emphasis on Tanner McKee making big throws and the wide receivers making big catches, which, given UCLA struggles in coverage against Fresno State, that might not be a bad thing. Oh, by the way, Ben Yarosic out of this game as well. I don't think I've mentioned that um, so far in, in, in this episode. Yeah, Ben Yarosic is out as well. David Shaw did also confirm that as well uh, during Wednesday, uh, after Wednesday's practice. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Stanford defensively has got to stop the run. Run defense critical the next three weeks. We've seen what UCLA can do. And after that, Oregon, which is second in the Pac-12 in rushing yards per game this as of this week, and then Arizona State, who leads the Pac-12 in that category. But if the Cardinal want to get it going and turn it around, they need to do it this week. I gave you UCLA's rushing yardage per game numbers earlier and Stanford's rushing yards allowed per game numbers as well. Caillou Blue Kelly, the Cardinal cornerback, with his thoughts and his perspective on the things that that he can do to slow down UCLA's offense, especially on the ground.
2: They do the same thing and show it in a lot of different ways with motions, shifts, um, they pull receivers, they plunge receivers, they pull guards, um, they have some shot plays, and um, their quarterback's dynamic. I mean, they have ways of getting him the ball and just, like, you got to be on your toes. It's all about eye control with that type of offense. You know, they're going to try and show you a lot of run they are going to maybe dive that tight end in, get them on a hide route going across the field, um, lull you to sleep outside, throw a um, deep shot on you. So it's all about eye control and focus. And if you prepare, like if you really watch what these guys are doing, you can get a feel for what they're kind of going to attack you with and what kind of plays they're doing. But yeah, it's a great offense that Chip Kelly runs.
0: Yeah, as critical as the Stanford running back situation is, that's still the going to tell you the story of this game whether stanford can stop the run whether stanford can limit ucla's big plays not just from the running backs but also from dorian thompson robinson that's going to dictate how this game goes it did last year third key um you know how big i am on the importance of third down you got to convert them on offense And you got to stop him on defense. Get off the field. That being said, I have a sneaky feeling that fourth down could be equally crucial on Saturday. Maybe it's me, but it seems that Stanford has been more aggressive on fourth down this year, especially in plus territory. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks and even a little more during the course of this show, specifically with our chat with Scott Reese. Now, I also asked David Shaw about being more aggressive on fourth down so far this season. I asked him about that this week. Here was his response. With the guys that we have up front and the runners that we have, I'm probably going to be pretty aggressive inside the five
1: yard line on the fourth down. You know, if it's fourth and five from the five, maybe not. Um, But fourth down, three yard line, two yard line, hey, I'm probably going to be pretty aggressive. I love our runners, uh, including Isaiah Sanders. um, And I love our big receivers. And we saw that this past weekend. where we got stuffed I know just a terrible call by me. He should have called something else. Um, but next time we're down there, got an athletic fullback like Jay Simmons sliding out into the flat. You got a six, four receiver that's got serious hops in, in Bryson Tremaine, you throw him up and let him go take a ball. So um, we're gonna be pretty aggressive down there regardless of the situation,
0: um, but the situation does matter. Yeah, so if it's fourth and goal inside the five or even fourth and short yardage inside UCLA territory, don't be surprised if the offense stays on the field. Now, again, 4th and 6 from the plus 39, we'll see. But here's another reason why I think 4th down might be key on Saturday. Don't look now, but Stanford's opponents' numbers on 4th down this year against the Cardinal, 6 for 6. Vandy alone went 4 for 4 on 4th down against Stanford last week. Last year's opponents went 5 for 5. So, Stanford hasn't stopped a fourth down conversion in two seasons now. Hmm. I have a sneaky feeling that this game may hinge every bit as much on fourth down as it might normally do on third down. Just have a sneaky suspicion. would love to hear your keys to... Stanford versus UCLA. The best way to also make your thoughts heard there, or on anything else involving Stanford athletics and Stanford football in particular, hit me up with the hashtag #TreeCast, hashtag #TreeCast on Twitter. That's the best way to ensure that that I see what you've got on your mind. Subscribe, rate, and review, and enjoy the show, and and and, and react to it on your friendly neighborhood message board. I always appreciate when you do that, and we will come at you on Sunday we're in regular season mode we're posting twice a week generally coming at you on Thursdays and Sundays there might be some slight alterations as we get deeper into the week and uh, Stanford plays a few Friday games and as I get deeper into my Pac-12 Network play-by-play schedule, so uh, the schedule might be altered a little bit at times as we go along. But but we're always going to come at you twice a week throughout the remainder of the regular season. This is when this is when the tree cast is at its best, right? I mean, we've been doing the, doing this podcast overall since the 2015 season. What a fun season that was! And uh, we've been talking Stanford football ever since then, and and nobody else does it quite like we do. And quite honestly, I'm proud of that. So. Uh, glad to glad to have you with us, and glad that you're joining us for the best part of the year. And oh, hey, it's a home game this week. How about that? <laughs> wow. That's going to be cool. Looking forward to it. 3 p.m. kickoff. Uh, Pac-12 Network has you covered on the TV side with my man Ted Robinson and Yogi Roth, two great dudes on the call there, and obviously Scott Reese and John Platts on the radio side. Special thanks to Scott Reese and Stephen Heron. Those two were our special guests for this week's episode. You also heard from David Shaw and Tanner McKee and Caillou Blue Kelly. Biggest thanks most of all goes out to you for joining us on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet and you can't back the pack if you don't back the vac. Get vaccinated. We'll talk to you Sunday on the next episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network.